and welcome to The Foundation, a Parks People podcast, presented by the National Association of Park Foundations. And now, your host and executive director of the National Association of Park Foundations, Kevin Korenthal. Hello and welcome back to the podcast, actually the last podcast of our very first season. Uh, Really appreciate everyone uh, taking the time to watch Uh, The Foundation, a Parks People podcast. We try to do uh, interesting conversations with park and rec folks from around the country in 20 to 25 minutes or less. And uh, we have another person who has come to speak with me today in regard to their park and rec career. Her name is Rosemary Cameron. She is the former executive director of the Regional Parks Foundation. And uh, she attempted and failed at retirement So now she works as a consultant. I work with her. She works with a number of the NAPF members. And I want to go ahead and uh, welcome Rosemary to the the podcast. Thanks, Kevin. It's nice to be with you. I always like to begin at the beginning. The beginning began when your uh, career took the turn towards park and recreation. Tell us about that. Well, it's actually kind of a sweet story, I think. I was getting out of grad school. I was uh, went to the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs at Syracuse University, getting my MPA. And uh, Maxwell was always concerned about making sure that their um, uh, students got jobs. And the dean, Scotty Campbell, God rest his soul, um, uh, said, "What do you want to do?" And most people wanted to go to New York or to Washington, D.C. And I said, I want to go home to California. I want to go back to the Bay Area. And he said, you know, Rosemary, we have an alum, Dick Trudeau, who is the general manager of the East Bay Regional Park District. And I think it would be great if uh, you went back, you want to go to the Bay Area, meet with Dick. And he said, I'm going to call him. And the dean called Dick Trudeau. And for those of you in other parts of the United States who might not be aware, Dick Trudeau um, was um, a true icon in the parks and recreation field. He was the general manager of the East Bay Regional Park District for 17 years and really spearheaded an amazing wave of growth for that um, agency, which is the largest local park and recreation uh, agency in the United States by virtue of the size of its land holdings. So I got back, got an apartment in Berkeley and went to see Dick. And on the spot, Dick offered me an internship. It was a little easier in those days. The general manager could just offer you an internship. So always the good old days. Oh, gosh, I miss them in some ways. Anyway, I uh, went to work. uh, The district was in the middle of uh, of a major master planning process, unbelievable, just huge, huge citizen outreach master plan. And I got exposed to that, which was really quite exciting and very, very interesting time to be there in the, um, I'll date myself, the early 70s. And um, so I worked there for about six weeks and then darned if I didn't get a real job and went up to Sacramento and went into um uh, Association of Bay, uh, actually worked for ABAG um, uh, up there. Anyway, fast forward seven years, I was working in um, city government, in city management and local parks and rec, and 
I went to a municipal management assistance luncheon and Dick was the speaker and I said hello to him and um, he of course remembered me and uh, he said, what are you up to? And I said, well, I'm really kind of not super happy right now. And he said, why don't you come back to work for me? Again, it was an easier time. General managers could get away with doing that. So he offered me a job on the spot and I went to work for Dick Trudeau um, again at East Bay Regional Park District. And I ran our legislative program, our federal and state legislative program was largely my area of responsibility. And I did that until 1986 when Dick retired and a new general manager came in. And let's just say, as sometimes happens, um, I left and um, actually went back to city government, uh, went to a small city called Brisbane and was the Parks and Rec director um, there and the assistant city manager. And in 1991, the there was a new general manager, Pat O'Brien, at the Park District, and he is somebody I had worked with on the statewide legislative committee for years, knew quite well, and he was looking for an assistant, um, and I was really done with city government, and I applied for and got that job back at East Bay Regional Park District. I worked there three times, three times. record three times and is it the third time a charm the, felt, is it third time the charm third to add truly it was kevin so well put because i became the assistant general manager responsible for public affairs and the executive director of the regional parks foundation one year later and stayed there until my retirement at the end of 2010 when both pat and i retired and it was a super super interesting um, span of time to be Tell working. Tell us about, here. I mean, when you, when you got there the third time and now you're in a very high level position, what did you see? What did you, what needed changing? What are, I always like to kind of get some of this stuff out there for the, for the viewers to see things that go on inside of these organizations that, that uh, folks, when they come in and they make these changes, this happens a lot in park and rec. Tell us a little bit about that. So, um, you know, um, I think everyone in the nation knows Prop 13. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to live in California to for the waves of, of that um, to get out to everyone. Um, uh, that had such but a- for, the, for those who don't know, Prop 13 capped uh, tax rates in California, which is the short way of saying yes. that. Yes. And, and in so doing, it really limited um, the potential growth in revenue to um, public agencies. And um, uh, East Bay Regional Park District is a special district. And so during this period of time, starting in the 90s, um, under Pat O'Brien, another icon of um, our parks and recreation um, field nationally, uh, the park district was, um, expanding greatly in terms of acquisition. It was yet another huge burst. It was an interesting time where there were there was just um, really appropriate acquisitions happening. So we were expanding the park district. And when you expand, you need to have uh, more revenue in order to um, develop those parklands for public access. And, and most importantly, the ongoing 
um, maintenance and operation of those parklands. So we were growing, but we needed additional revenues and Proposition 13 limited the, the incremental growth of our property tax revenues. So what Pat brought to the park district, and this was just unheard of for the agency, he brought the idea of doing uh, special assessment districts and parcel taxes. In other words, going to the voters and asking them to support small, um, but um, but in effect, raising their taxes for very specific purposes. Now, that's something that's very common in California today. So today, this was, this was a relatively new concept at the in time. In the early 90s, this was not the way, uh, not going on. Right. And I mean, it became absolutely essential, as, as you well know, Kevin, having um, lived and worked here. Um, and the thing that is crazy perhaps to people in other parts of the country, is that because of Prop 13, anytime you go to the voters and you have to go to the voters to ask them to support a tax increase, and it has to be approved by a supermajority. In other words, two thirds of the voters yep. have to support it. And for anybody who's ever worked in any kind of elections, understanding what it, what, what it takes to get voters to vote to um, raise their taxes right in a supermajority. I mean, that's huge. You know, one of the kind of basic well, well first you gotta have to qualify it for the ballot. And then you have to once it's on the ballot, you have to get three quarters of the electorate to vote for it. I don't yeah. know if people really I want to make sure that people understand like not 51%, no three quarters, 75%. Well, it's 67%. Yeah, 67. Two-thirds. Two thirds. But still, but the thing about it is is that when you when you basically research how funding measures go, basically you've got 25% of voters. It doesn't matter what it's for, they vote no. Right. So if you need 67 and you've lost 25 just because that's the way it is, and it is, I've seen this. I can't tell you how many elections I have worked on now. Um, you lose 25. So So you basically have what, eight points? <laughs> um, uh, that that you can play with in order to hit that 67 threshold. So it's really hard. And the amount of work that goes into it and, and um, organizational preparation. I mean, your organization has to be respected. Um, your product has to be loved and enjoyed. Um, you have to be reasonable in what you're going to the voters asking for. And I would say critically, you have to have very specific um, plans, if you will, for how that money is going to be expended so that the voters know so that then if they approve it, you can constantly provide feedback to them about how mm -hmm. you are in effect delivering Promises right. made, promises kept. How you're delivering on that tax that they approved. So, so um, for us, land acquisition needed increased increased growth of population was growing. Just for so everyone knows, there's 2.8 million people that live in Alameda and Contra Costa County, where East Bay Regional Park District is needed revenue sources. We actually went to the voters while I was there six different times 
with um, one bond measure, a half a billion dollar bond, which we won, um, uh, two assessment districts and two parcel taxes. We won. Um, we won four out of six measures. We lost twice, um, and there were reasons why we lost. But sure. that's pretty good track record. And the bond measure that passed in two thousand and eight, the half billion, is still the largest local park bond approved in the United States. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. That is that is pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that really is is interesting because it it was after you left uh, East Bay, you retired from there, correct? Or yes, you attempted to retire, as we said. I yeah, I, I reinvented myself. And so at some point, you were working with someone named Stephen Love, <laughs> and then when I took over at the NAPF, you reached out to me, and next thing I know, you're a, an individual member, and I'm getting a call from Stephen. Hey, let's partner on. I just got hired. I want to, you know, help re rebuild the Hayward area, a recreational district foundation. Um, we were gonna, we're gonna do a, a a top to bottom reassessment of everything that we're doing here, and we'd like to partner with the NAPF. Tell us how that all that came to be, and tell us about you how you met Stephen. So, I am a, a strong proponent of building relationships across the board over time and sustaining and maintaining those relationships. I just think that's the richness of life and, and it's just important. Um, so when I became assistant general manager for public affairs um, and the executive director of the Regional Parks Foundation and walked downstairs to meet my staff, there was Steve Love. And Steve Love was my administrative analyst too. And Steve specifically worked on Regional Parks Foundation work. Um, he has an accounting background. He was just, well, he was just the, just the brightest young man ever. He was just uh, incredible. And um, in effect, Steve became my partner in uh, really rebuilding the Regional Parks Foundation, mm -hmm. which we could talk about more specifically, um, but it really needed to be rebooted back in 1992. And Steve, um, Steve and I worked hand in glove. I uh, could not have done it without Steve and, and then the rest of the staff who worked on it too. But Steve was absolutely incremental. Just What, what comes to mind when you think of some of the things that you guys did together? Well, um, I think um, from the very beginning, um, Steve, uh, because he did have the really solid um, technical skills uh, that um, is not my greatest gift, um, we were really a, a wonderful team. So um, Steve was able to um, handle all the finances for the foundation until we brought on part-time bookkeeping assistance and work with the finance committee directly of the foundation board. And that was a, a really important thing. And then um, Steve, we ended up sending Steve to fundraising school 
um, to raise his level of um, expertise and experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we put together direct mail campaigns. They'd never done direct mail before, ever. Um, we started a membership program. Steve was instrumental in working with East Bay Regional Park District to really extract what might be appropriate benefits that we could package up and offer as a membership program for the Regional Parks Foundation. Um, Steve ended up being like super good at uh, helping to plan and execute special events because mm. you know you do some special events as part of um, uh, a, a broader fundraising strategy. The other thing he got very involved with hands-on was we decided that you know once we had some of these other pieces in place, we needed to put together a planned giving strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, think long term. And uh, we uh, put together a really top notch group of volunteers um, who became our planned giving committee, you know, bank trust officers and um, estate planning attorneys right. and um, CPAs who handle um, personal finances. Oh, my. They were just awesome. And one of the things that with Steve's help and those incredible professionals we did was we started doing um, planned giving seminars um, and offered it up to our donors and our members. And darn, and then we'd hold it in one of the, in an outdoor setting or in one of our East Bay Regional Park District facilities. So it was interesting, like you go to Black Diamond Mines and go underground and have a planned giving seminar. Man. You know, people yeah. do that. <laughs> and um, so Steve was instrumental in really building building that program out. So I, I can't say more nice things about Steve and his talents. But the thing that's awesome is that he ended up after a few years going and working in university development. In other words, he became a very high level um, development person himself. So I lost Steve. But over those years, really what's been the 30 years, um, Steve and I never lost touch. We would get together and have lunch. You know, we would exchange emails. To yeah, my so what, led, what led to the whole Hayward Area Park District Foundation? So um, the general manager of the Hayward Area Recreation and Park District, who I've known from uh work that I do here in San Francisco as a volunteer called me up and said, Rosemary, um, I need you to come and take a look at our foundation. We haven't had staff for the last couple of years. I, it's costing us money and it's not, they're just not raising any money. Right. And I imagine an all too familiar story. Right. Right. So I went over and um, uh, on a consulting basis, looked at everything, you know, um, and put together a report of what I called key operational priorities for the foundation. And then it started with re with looking at the bylaws. I mean, every foundational foundational document really needed to be looked updated, at by attorneys, right. updated, um, all of those kinds of policies and procedures that you need, everything from uh, the uh, whistleblower policy, the kinds of things that show up on your um, uh, 990, 
that needs well, some all, all policies check. that regularly require updating because times and laws change. Risk, yeah. risk yes. becomes greater. Risk becomes greater. And if you don't have them, that's even worse than needing to update them. Right. So we had uh, probably about a six page, single space list of all of the kinds of things that needed to be done. And one of the things that I recommended when you get through those more nuts and bolts things, like you need a website, yep. <laughs> you need your own mailing address, um, uh, was you need to do a strategic plan because it was really important that the board, which was not particularly engaged, needed to be really motivated and really activated right. and engaged. And we needed that kind of guidance to set um, appropriate goals for the next phase of the foundation. So, um, so, but well, once first... Stephen, once Stephen was on board as the executive director, it seemed like maybe he had been there a couple of months before he reached out to the NAPF. Uh -huh. And so this is the part of the story I'll tell is uh, we immediately engaged in a board training exercise, which is something yeah. that we have now, and that was in the very early stages of developing that program. We've now done that half a dozen times, and it is such a great way to introduce NAPF to the board, to begin communicating effectively with the executive director. And then you can take a look at uh, where you might go for strategic planning. And that's where we're in the process that we're in right now. Uh, and we're utilizing all of the latest and greatest tools and processes. I mean, AI is even a part of what we're doing. Uh, so we're bringing together some, you know, as you as the board develops and grows, uh, as we look at the both the community inward and the and those external uh, stakeholders and find out what their interests are, uh, I I mean I think this is this is probably one it, I don't want to jinx it but I think as far as strategic plan processes go this is one of the smoothest that I've had to deal with and I think it was all that early communication plus Rosemary I have to hand it to you for having put all the right people on the bus. You know, getting Stephen into the role over there at Hard Foundation, bringing the NAPF on board. So in our last three minutes, from your perspective, where do you see that organization going and what's next for you? So so I think the strategic plan is going to be really critical for us. They've never had one, by the way. Um, they've been around 40, 41 years um, and have never had a strategic plan. So this is huge. Kevin, huge. Um, so I think it's going to um, clarify where they really add the greatest value in support of Hayward Area Recreation and Park District. I personally, my guess is, is that um, leveling the playing field for um, uh, the communities um, in the larger Hayward area, there's about 250,000 people. M making access more available yes. across the socioeconomic yes. condition, right? Absolutely. I think that's going to be a huge and really critical and a winner in terms of fundraising. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. That's, absolutely. That's, that's number one. Um, I think that they um, have uh, an, several opportunities to actually raise capital funds to support um, um, some wonderful facilities that HARD has, and their money will be the, 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 
the the final money that support that goes in after hards um, bond funds are expended. So mm -hmm. margin of excellence, right? Right. You're building um, playgrounds, you're built, you're you're rehabbing facilities, and. I think hard the hard foundation is going to have a, the ability to raise capital funds to um, provide the la last greatest bits. That you know, the early information coming out of the plan is definitely supportive of that. Well, we've I can't believe we've done it. We've already went through our twenty five minutes together. I know it always <laughs> goes so quickly. I uh, just wanted to close with thanking. Uh, Rosemary for you know for bringing the NAPF into the orbit uh, that allows us to do this work. If your organization has not had a strategic plan or your strategic plan is very old and perhaps things have changed, the NAPF would love to talk with you. Uh, we have many different ways that we can go about strategic planning. We can deal with just about any type of organization, whether it's size or location. Um, and we really have an opportunity to talk to you about what you are doing, because really what NAPF is all about is creating capacity for Park Foundation. So like what Rosemary pointed out, you can go from maybe a previous period of re of relying on a tax assessment to moving into a more philanthropic funding mechanism. And that's really where we want to see all the folks go. So Rosemary, thank you again. I really appreciate you spending some time with, with me today, and I look forward to continue working with you. Me too, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning into The Foundation, a Parks People podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at the NAPF to not miss an episode. To help this podcast grow, please like, comment, and share with your friends. Have a great day. Bye.